If people will call on the name of Jesus Christ, he'll save their soul from sin, from the devil, from eternity in the lake of fire. There's nothing better than that. Have you called on the name of Jesus Christ to be... At this time, KCICFM invites you to join us for our weekly live broadcast of Pear Park Baptist Church. The Sower and the Seed. Mark chapter 4. We've been in this uh, book of Mark. I've enjoyed, I just love the life of Christ and um, seeing the different things about Him. We've seen recently the conflict against Christ. We've seen his, the, the, the following of Christ by His disciples. And uh, we come now to His parables, and we are here in Mark chapter 4. And as we began chapter 4, we see Jesus in the ship on the on the, on the a lake of Galilee, the Sea of Galilee, and the people on the shore, and Christ is teaching them. And he begins with the sower and the seed. He talks about a sower went forth to sow in verse 3 of chapter 4. And he, he goes through the, the different things, the different soils, and the soil's reception of the seed. And uh, we looked at that our last time we were in this passage in chapter 4. We got down to verse 13. And uh, we saw this verse of Scripture. So I'm going to pick up there today. Mark chapter 4, verse 13. He said unto them, Know ye not this parable? How then will ye know all parables? Do you understand the parable? If you don't understand this one, how are you going to understand all parables? The sower soweth the word. And these are they by the wayside, where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they, likewise, which are sown on stony ground, who, when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves. And so endure for a time afterward when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things entering in choke the word and it becometh unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth some thirtyfold, some sixty and some a hundred. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you that we could have it. I thank you that we can meditate in it and consider it today. Lord, you command, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. So, Lord, help today in the preaching of the word. Lord, take this earthen vessel and pray that you would guide my thoughts and words and you, by your Holy Spirit, would take the word of God and uh, drill it into the hearts of everyone that is listening. God, enable the, the, the listeners to hear. Lord, may we, we have all good soil in the building today. But Father, I do pray that there would be fruit. Pray that there would be a working of your spirit amongst us. Pray that decisions would be made where there need to be decisions. And uh, changes of thinking where there needs to be changes of thinking. Lord, that we might renew our minds to be in, in accord with your mind, your thinking. That we might be in harmony with you. So Lord, I look to you today. Without you, we can do nothing. Lord, either hearing or preaching. And so we pray for your working amongst us. May this be your, your period here. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Jesus said back in Matthew chapter 7, he said, don't throw your pearls before swine. Lest uh, they trample them underfoot and turn and rend you. So I think we get the picture real well there. There's certain things you don't, you don't throw out to swine. We raised pigs when I was a kid, and, you know, you would uh, bring the slop to the pigs. If something died, you'd take it to the pigs. I mean, I hate to tell you that, bacon lovers, but, uh, you know, that's the, that's, that's the reality world. And uh, pigs, pigs are just, ah, they're nasty animals, man. I'll tell you what, they can make you cry just by the smell. Mm-hmm. We had to put a pipeline through a hog yard out in Loma years ago. Man, it just, it just, mm, make you cry. Went and visited my uncle, and he raised hogs. Man, he had, he had thousands of hogs, and you just come out to his place, and it just makes you cry. It's just so potent. And uh, recently, one of, my, one, of my, one of the folk I know, they were saying, boy, in the middle of the night, this horrible smell is coming in through the... It's just, it just is terrible. We found out later, yeah, they had dug up in the hog yard, the neighbors had, and the smell was coming in at midnight. It's like, oh, terrible. In the middle of the night, wake you up. The smell smells so bad. So bad, pigs are bad things, man, I'm just telling you. And you don't throw your pearls before swine because they, swine can be dangerous too. Not only do they not appreciate pearls, they just want slop. They, they, they don't appreciate people either. Um, and uh, they can turn and rend. So, with that all in mind, we're talking today about the reception of the Word of God, and there's a principle that is true in the Word of God. We're going to see a little later on in Mark chapter 4, and verses 24 and 25, where it talks about you better be careful how your receptors are, if you're, that you are receptive to the Word of God, because if you're not receptive to the Word of God and you keep pushing it off, then you're going to lose even what you have. But if you have a good heart and you're receptive to the Word of God, God will give you more. And the Lord gives a principle in Jeremiah 29, 13. It comes out of, it, it, it's, a, it's a passage that originates in Deuteronomy chapter 4. And it says this, Ye shall seek me and find me if, you search for me with all your heart. If a person will be receptive and hungry for God, God will, God, God's word will, will take fruit in his life or in her life. And this parable of the sower and the seed is about these different kinds of soils. It's like the seed of the word of God goes into different soils and it has a different reception. And... Um, so important to have a good reception of the seed. I planted some grass recently at my mother-in-law's place that we did, that she had a, a big uh, skyline honey locust tree cut out. I mean, the trunk on this thing was like this. And uh, somebody actually paid us money to take that trunk out of there because they wanted the lumber, lumber out of that thing. Well, we finally got it out. She had the stump ground out and there was this hole in her yard right outside her back yard back door and so i i filled it in and i planted grass seed and turned on the new sprinkler system and i was pretty pleased with how it came out you know because i'm not really a, a green thumb it's more white than it is green and i just does not always work so well but i was pretty pleased the grass came up 
but there's one spot about, oh, about this big around. It just, the grass is not, just not doing good. And I figured there's probably some bad soil there that's keeping it from really flourishing like everything else is. And uh, so the soils are important. We're going to look in this passage of Scripture at three things. We're going to look at the sowing, because sowing has something to do with receiving, right? If there's no seed, there's, there's isn't going to be anything growing. And then we're going to look at the soils and the different receptiveness of the soils. And then finally, I just want to touch at the very end of the message, I want to talk about this, the success of it all and, and so that we can see if we have bald spots in our yard or not. And so let's take a look at the sowing here. It says in verse 14, the sower soweth the, the word. This is the seed right here, the word of God. The sower soweth the word. It's a wonderful picture. Uh, the word of God is like a seed that is planted. There is a verse in James chapter 1 and verse 21, and I have different verses to look at this morning, and this one I'd like you to turn with me to and just look at it with your eyes and think about what it's saying. When we talk about the word being like a seed, that, that goes into the soil, and our hearts are like the soil. Here's what it says in James chapter 1, verse 21. Wherefore lay apart all filthiness. Get rid of the filth. And, James 1, 21, and superfluity. That's just a big word for abundance, a bunch, okay? And a bunch of naughtiness. The word for naughtiness in our King James Bible is just the word wickedness lawlessness, evil, trouble, just wickedness. Get rid of the filth, get rid of the, the, the abundance of wickedness and receive with meekness that, that gentle, humble spirit, the engrafted word. Now, the word engrafted is what I want you to look at. That is little, literally the word means implanted. It's what happens when a seed is put in the soil. We've all experienced that at some time, planting something. I can remember my earliest memory my, uh, of, of planting. I'd go visit my dad in California. My folks were divorced, and, and my dad lived in California. Mom here. And I can remember my dad's place. He had a house, and, a, and there's this, the privacy fence, the fence. And on the other side of the fence was a cherry orchard with Bing cherries. San Jose, California, mm, before they tore all those orchards out and put houses. And man, I, it was so fun to climb over the fence and get cherries and eat to my fill, right? Because there's a whole orchard of them. And one little boy wouldn't eat the whole orchard, right? And I just loved cherries, man. I loved them so much that I actually got some of those cherry seeds and I, and I dug a hole in my backyard and planted a cherry tree. Well, what I had hoped would be a cherry tree. Nothing ever came of that seed. Um, I didn't realize the seed had to die first. It had to dry out, and then you could plant it. But the implanted word that brings forth, the seed that brings forth life, receive with meekness as if your heart is the soil and it needs a gentle, soft heart, receptive to the word of God, the engrafted, the implanted word. Watch what happens at the end of the verse which is able, it is powerful to save your soul. It says souls, plural, so it's not just one soul, but it can save all souls. 
if they'll be receptive to the Word of God. It's important to be receptive to the Word of God. It's like this sign on the, uh, the verse of Scripture on the wall. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. The gospel of Christ could be the seed, the good news about Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. It's the activating and the watering of the seed that gets in the heart, the receiving of the seed, and, and the life that comes out of it. Jesus said at one point in time in John chapter 6 and verse 63, he says, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Life can come from this. You get the word of God in, it will not return void. It is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, it is, a, it is the incorruptible seed by which we are born again. Take a look, if you will. Just turn over a couple pages to Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, and there it is. 1 Peter 1, 23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. And there's the seed, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Verse 25, but the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. So, we have wonderful power in the, in the good news about Jesus Christ, the word of God, that Christ, God's son, God come in the flesh, came to this earth 2,000 years ago in fulfillment of all of the prophecies that God had made for thousands of years. He fulfilled them all to a T. He lived on this earth. He did miracles that no man could do. He taught like no man has ever taught. You have his teachings in the, in the Word of God. You read them in your red letter edition. Just find the words of Christ. And there's, nothing, there's nothing comparable to him. He's changed the world. And he went and died on a cross for your sins and mine. He bore your sins in his own body on the tree. And they took him down from the cross after he died for your sins and they buried him in that dark tomb and sealed the stone. And three days later, he came victoriously out of the tomb and the soldiers were like dead men. And Christ was on this earth for 40 days and, and, and preaching and teaching the things about the kingdom of God. And then he stood on the Mount of Olives right outside of Jerusalem and he ascended back to heaven. And his disciples watched him as he went up into heaven. He just, he just floated up into heaven. And the angel said to the disciples that were there, he says, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken from you shall so come in like manner. And he's coming back. And we're looking forward to it. And by the way, we're closer to his coming today than we've ever been. I know that's kind of obvious, right? Sounds an amazing statement right there. We're closer than we've ever been. But he will come quickly. My brother, my brother Bill, he died of a heart attack when he was 46. But Bill, before he died, he, when he was about 40, he trusted Christ as his, as his Savior. And what, what pushed him over the edge to accept Christ was he, he looked around at this world and he says, you know what? It isn't going to be long before he comes back. And that was an unsaved man. And that's what pushed him over the edge to put, put his faith in Jesus Christ and be saved. How about you? So the word is the seed, the worker in our passage back in chapter 4, verse 14. <clears throat> the worker, the one that sows the seed, is you and I. 
Mark chapter 16, verse 15, he's going to say, he says, go and preach the gospel to every creature. We have an obligation laid upon us. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 and 23, we preach Christ. It's by the foolishness of preaching that God ordained that people be saved. It says in the book of Romans chapter 10, this passage, and again, it's just some real obvious things. But it says in Romans chapter 10 this. Verse 15, or verse 14. Oh, verse 13. I got to read more, okay? Romans 10, 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If people will call on the name of Jesus Christ, he'll save their soul from sin, from the devil, from eternity in the lake of fire. There's nothing better than that. Have you called on the name of Jesus Christ to, be, to save your sin, save you from your sin? How shall they call, verse 14, how shall they call in him of whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Listen, people got to hear. They need to hear from you and I. They need people that love them enough that'll ask them about their soul. I think I may have told you, I was, I was talking to a little gal the other day at a counter, and, and I found out when she was a girl, she had come to Pear Park. And, a, and, a, and I just, I was just, when I knew that she had come to Pear Park and had contact with us probably 20 years ago, I just couldn't help. I said, do you know Christ is your Savior? And she said, yes. And then she said this. She said, thank you for asking that we would care enough to ask people and to talk to them about Christ. We are the sowers. Back when I was in college, I had come home for the summer. My first summer after my freshman year came home, my folks had moved. I think they were trying to lose me. I don't know. But they had lived in Grand Junction, and they moved to Delta while I was at college. And I think they were trying to give me the slip. But I found them out there. And I went out and was living with out of my folks' place for the summer. And... And while I was out there, Dad planted, a, he, he wanted 40 acres planted. He bought some property out there. They call it Peach Valley, but there's absolutely nothing. It's like here at the base of Mount Garfield, it's just dry desert. I don't know what peaches have anything to do with out there. But he had this 300 acres out there, and he wanted to make 40 acres of it and plant it into oats. And so he, you know, I don't know that we had, um, we, I don't think we had the planting equipment to, to plant it all. And so he said, hey, Randy, I got a job for you. Well, what's that, Dad? He says, plant the field. So what do you mean? He says, well, over here, here's all the seed in a big pile in the barn. And he says, here's this, this broadcaster. What's a broadcaster? Well, you put this thing on, and it's got a nice little bag, and, and you, you do the cranking thing, and it has a little wheel on it, and it throws, field, it throws seed out there. I said, I thought to myself, all 40 acres? Mm -hmm. All 40 acres. That was my job for about a week. You know, I just get more seed and going out there and broadcasting. Hey, listen, what I didn't want happening was at the end, you know, next fall when the oats are due to have a big patch out there that I missed, right? That's what I didn't want happening. So, so I, you know, I go this way and then I go back over it that way to make sure that that field had a lot of seed. I didn't want any bare spots in the 40 acres. 
Well, listen, we've got a job to do. We've got the responsibility to preach the gospel to every creature. And it's going to require purpose on our part, but it's also going to require a little bit of patience if we're going to sow the seed. If you'll take a look with me over in the book of John, chapter 4, Jesus talks about this work of sowing the seed and the gospel. And he says in John, chapter 4, Verse 35, Say ye not, there are yet four months, then cometh harvest? Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they're white already to harvest. And, and Christ had just talked to the woman at the well, and she had gone in, and she told everybody in the city about Christ, and they were coming out of the city to come out to see Jesus. And you look up, and you see all of these heads bobbing as they're coming up out towards the to see Christ. Look, lift up your eyes. They're white unto harvest. People are looking for Christ. There's a need. And he that reapeth, he receiveth wages. And gathereth fruit unto life eternal. Listen, the only thing you can take to heaven with you are other people. Souls for Jesus. <laughs> you can work all your life and buy a big house and all the toys. But you can't take that with you to heaven. You can, you can have all of the accomplishments and become the top of whatever, your corporation or, or your skill, whatever it is. But you can't take that to heaven. You can be the most popular person on the planet, but you can't take that to heaven. The only thing you can take to heaven is another soul. Tell them about Jesus Christ. They trust him as Savior. And you can take them with you because they have Christ. He that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap whereupon ye bestowed no labor. Other men labored and ye are entered into their labors. And that's the way the Lord's work works. It's a big field. It's a lot bigger than 40 acres. It's the whole world and every generation has a responsibility we can't reach the generation back in the 1800s we weren't there we can't reach the generation 50 years from now maybe some of the younger ones can but the older ones aren't going to be able to we won't be there but we have this generation to reach a responsibility to get it out now and it's a big field it's worldwide. And we're greatly short of laborers. By the way, we ought to pray for laborers to be sent into the harvest. But God so ordains and so works and manages his field that one sows and, and maybe another one reaps. It's kind of almost unusual for the same person to sow and then reap. You might get a sign here today and someplace else tomorrow. It's kind of like the fellow that years ago I was out just knocking on doors. And I, I was taking a different approach, using the radio station flyer, and say, hey, I'm from KCIC Radio. like to just introduce you to our radio station. Here it is. Here's our programs. On the back is a, tells a person how they can know how they can have eternal life. And, I would, and I, then I would lead into the gospel. And I can remember just over here down on Bing Street or whatever, just down here, and I'd knocked on a door, and a guy and I gave it, went through the whole thing. And when I got to the back, the guy said, you know what? My buddy at work's been talking to me about this. Really? I said, have you trusted Christ yet? He says, no, but I've been thinking about it. 
I said, can I come and talk to you some more? He says, yeah, come on in. And we sat in his living room around the little coffee table, and he trusted Christ. Well, man, I just got to show up when it was harvest time. I didn't do all of the work, the, the sowing and the cultivating and the watering. His friend at work had been doing all of that. I got to see the fruit. And you know, that's how the Lord works. There's a lot of times where seed is sown, and we never see the results of it. There have been a lot of people that have been witness to that. The person that gave the word never saw the, saw the end result. It's the Lord's harvest. It's his field. We've got a responsibility to be sowers of the word. Will you preach Christ? Will you be a witness for him? Will you warn the wicked of his way? Will you save those that are drawn into death? It's a day of good tidings. We don't do well if we keep silent. And then there are the soils. Take a look at the soils here. First one, wayside soil. This is a hard path. I call it no reception. Um, I call it the stolen word. The condition of the soil. As the seed is going out, lots of seed is going out. It comes against some hard ground. That packed path. You know, there's a lot of hard soil, too. A lot of hard packed path. The broad way is a, a big way. A lot of people go on it, and it gets packed down. It talks about the hard soil in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 12. It says in that passage, it says, Take heed, brother, lest any of, there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Sometimes people are just unbelieving. They just are stubborn in it. They're not going to believe. They don't want to hear the word of God. They don't want to give it a chance. But exhort one another, as it says in Hebrews 3.13, daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. There's some just unbelieving. Some are just so deceived. They're, they're deceived by their sin. They're, they're wandering from God. They think they're on the right path, and they're, they're having all of this pleasure of sin for a season. But it's hardening, and it's straying. The Bible says in verse 15, today, today, if you'll hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. By the way, today is the day of salvation. Some people just get hard in their hearts because of the sin and the lust and the things that they want to do. It's like the young fellow I talked to at Fort Jackson years ago when I was in college. Many of you have heard the illustration, but... I talked to this fellow, we had this, we, we would go down to Fort Jackson and we would do some kind of a, we had a fellow do magic tricks and he would do magic tricks and things for the guys that had just come into Fort Jackson as new, as new soldiers. They had just gotten their fatigues, gotten their haircuts and, and they gave them a little New Testament and sent them into a preaching meeting. And we got to preach to them, we did a little magic show for them, somebody preached the good news of salvation and then gave an invitation. And I'll tell you what, we would have like 300 guys in that, in that meeting, and we might have 50 fellows come forward to want to learn about accepting Christ. And so I would go along with our, with our group. It was something our society did, our, our little group at our Bible college. We'd go there and do it as, a, as our society. And, and I would go along just to help deal with fellows. And I can remember one guy named George. He came forward. I dealt with him in a hallway. And, and I went all the way through the gospel with him, make sure he understood. And when I got all done, I said, George... I said, do you understand what, what it is to accept Christ? He says, I do. 
I said, would you like to accept him today? He says, I don't. I said, can I ask why? If you know and you don't want to, he says, he told me this. He says, you know what? I've got a lot of sin and I want to do. There's a lot of fun stuff I want to do. And if I get saved, that's going to change that all. He says, I don't, I don't want it. Hard soil, the deceitfulness of sin. Today's the day of salvation. Don't harden your heart. But you know, not only is there hardness of sin, but there's the hindrance from Satan. These birds come down and take the, take the seed right off, right off the soil. It doesn't even really have a chance. Oh, Satan, he's blinded the eyes, lest they should believe in the glorious light of the gospel. He's the deceiver of the whole world. I just read an article the other day. Um, I got this magazine that they're trying to promote, and, and uh, it's a conservative magazine. It was, talking about, it was talking about public education and what's happened in there. You know, when, when it first started here in, in this country back in the early 1800s, the schools were started to teach kids to read the Bible. Mm-hmm. And then um, Horace Mann and, and Dewey and some of these other fellows, they, they got this idea, if we take over, the, we take over the, the education of this country, we can shape the minds of, of the young people really towards, towards humanism and, and secularism and, and godlessness. And that was their intention, and they've succeeded. And... In 1962 and 63, the Supreme Court made a decision that you could no longer read the Bible and pray in the public schools. It was a Supreme Court decision. My wife remembers when she was a girl in Florida Mesa, there by Durango, the principal with a Bible on his desk. Prayer every day in the public school. That's the way it was. But when the Supreme Court decision came, no more of that. And Christians said, we are putting up with this. And they started the Christian school movement. And in 1974, Pear Park Baptist Church jumped on board. And under the leadership of Pastor Larson and the fellows that were here, they started Pear Park Baptist School. That's been a lot of years ago. Well, what has happened? There's been a whole... Uh, a whole, generations of young people that have been affected by a godless system. That's just one area. Go to the media. Through the, through the 1900s, what has happened with the inception of the radio and then the television and now computers and the internet and, and, the, and the influence not just of the educational systems, but also of, of the media and the stuff and the brainwashing and the philosophies and the godless worldviews. It's not surprising where we are and why we're in the situation we're in today and why the, why the people of this world are so hardened against the things of God. Old Satan, he's, he's been working hard. And, and he's, he's, got, he's got a lot of things sewed up. And, and it's tough. It's tough to take a mind that has been so inculcated with all of these different philosophies and teachings that are godless 
it's hard to take that and, and just say, look, Jesus Christ is your Savior. You need to be saved. Hard soil. But there's a stony soil, too. There's no chance with the hard soil. It's just tough. They take it away. There's, how are they going to be saved? There's the sto stony soil in verses 16 and 17. It's got a little dirt on the top, but it's rock underneath. It reminds me, I told you the other day, it reminds me about men and boys retreat. It's just, it's just you know, you can get some dirt, but underneath is this rock, and everywhere you go, it's rock, 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 it's rock. Little dirt on top. You plant something there, mm-mm, does not have much of a chance it's going to be short-lived it's going to be superficial the bible says here in the passage of scripture i'm going to have to close with this this soil we'll have to save the others for another day but in verse 17 16 and 17 it talks about the stony ground which when they've heard the word immediately receive it with gladness i mean they are they are very open to taking in the book and they receive it happily but they have no root in themselves. What does that mean? I think this is what it means. James chapter 1 talks about faith versus wavering. James 1, 5 and 6, ask in faith. Verse 6, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. He that wavereth, wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. And people have doubts. Oh, they're receptive, but then there's these doubts underneath. I'm just not sure. Or, not doubts, maybe just dead faith. Like James chapter 2, verse 20. Wilt thou no man, uh, no, O man, that faith without works is dead? There's, just, there's, there's, not, there's not that persuasion that changes their life. You know, Abraham. Verse 21, God told Abraham, go off of your son Isaac as a, as a human sacrifice. I mean, Abraham says, well, whatever you told me, Lord, I'll do it. That was faith. Now, God kept him from doing it. God stopped him right at the last second, but, but he obeyed. Rahab the harlot, verse 25 of James chapter 2. This, this pagan, immoral woman in Jericho heard about the God of Israel, and when the spies came through, she hit them at, at the risk of her life. Why? Because she believed in the God of Israel. Her faith was real faith. It wasn't just kind of a talking about it faith. It was the real deal. She was willing to put her life on the line because of what she believed about the God of Israel. Abraham was willing to do the most difficult thing because of what he believed about the, uh, the God of Israel. Real faith, the roots can go deep. Superficial, there's something dead. It just, the roots don't go down. To have that real kind of faith that changes the life, it comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What happens with this seed right here in verse 17 of Mark chapter 4? They have no root in themselves. And they endure for a what time. They, 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 it's as if they accept Christ and they, and they go for a time for with Jesus Christ. And they're so happy to be saved, but when the sun comes out and it needs deep roots, 
and the moisture starts to dry up, when affliction or persecution comes, immediately they're offended. Affliction, that pressure. It would be something like this. Somebody gets saved. Maybe they, maybe they were Catholic or, or some other religion, whatever. And they get saved. They, they, they take Christ as their Savior, and they go home and they tell their family. And they get something like this at home. How dare you? We've always been Catholic or whatever. That's what our family has always been. How could you do this to us? And mother cries, father's angry. And so the pressure gets too great. And they basically walk away from Christ because of the pressure that's put on them. We all know that's happened. That's this kind of soil. Or when persecution comes, there's just not the root there. It's a shallow thing. It's a dead faith. It's a doubting that takes place. They're sunny day believers. When it works for them, it's great. But if it, there's problems and there's some kind of offense, maybe at the church or, or some connection with Christianity, they take offense and there's a stumbling block, they are offended. That's what the word offended means. They're, they stumble over it and they turn away from it. I've met them in hordes over the years. One time they were Christians, but something happened, and they aren't today. It's stony soil. There's a different kind of soil. There's a good soil, a believing heart. The roots get deep. It's tender. It, 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 it's, it's full of nourishment and, and receives plenty of water, and the seed produces, and we'll look at that another day. Friend, let me ask you a question. How's your reception to Jesus Christ? It's not about religion. It's about Jesus Christ. Like we saw in Sunday school today. He is all and in all. It's all about Jesus Christ. It's not about religions. It's not about people groups. It's not about whatever different, different education levels. That, it's not about any of that. It's about Christ. He is everything do you have a relationship with him? If you don't, you can. Don't harden your heart. Today, if you'll hear his voice, harden not your heart. Today is the day of salvation. Will you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior? Will you follow him? Today, um, one of our little girls, Macy, uh, got baptized. You know, that's the first step of obedience after a person gets saved. It is a picture of what happens when a person genuinely puts trust in Christ. They, they, they die with Christ, and now they are risen to have a new life. Baptism doesn't save you, but it's a picture of what happens spiritually when you do get saved. It's, a, it's like a wedding ring. It's a, it's a, it, the wedding ring doesn't make me married, but it's a, it's a symbol. It tells everybody, I'm married. I can take it off, and I'm still married. But it's a wonderful step of obedience, like the Ethiopian when he said, what? What? hinders me from being baptized and, and the, the answer given back to him is if you believe with all your heart you may and he did and he, and he got it taken care of listen are you saved 
Have you followed the Lord Believer's Baptism? Those are some important things to do. Are you receptive towards the Word of God? Are you full of doubts? Scripture says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You want to get your faith in order? Get your faith strengthened? It is the Word of God that makes all the difference. It's not the nice talks from preachers or teachers. It is the Word of God. I had a gentleman with me uh, this last week. And we were talking about Christ and salvation. And, and he says to me at the very end of our, uh, me talking to him, he says, he says, now, he says, what was that verse you first shared with me? And it was 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. He says, he says yeah, that's the one. I want to go back and look at that. Listen, it is the word of God that makes all the difference. Father, thank you for your word. I pray that you would use it like a seed in our hearts, that it would bear forth fruit and be strong and vibrant. God, we do pray that you would bless your word in the hearts of people today. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for our weekly live broadcast from Para Park Baptist Church. We pray the service was a blessing to all our listeners. Our earnest prayer is that you personally have trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Romans 6 and verse 23 tells us the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And Romans 10:13 tells us, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you'd like to trust Christ, you must first believe that you're a sinner, deserving of God's judgment, and that Christ died to pay God's penalty for your sin, and that he rose again from the dead then you may, right now, pray. And according to Romans 10.13, call upon God and ask for salvation through Jesus Christ. If you've made a decision to trust Christ, let us know. The number of the offices at Pear Park Baptist Church is 434-4113. Someone's generally available to take calls during regular weekday business hours. In addition, the best means to spiritual help and growth is through faithful attendance at a Bible-believing church. We would encourage you to be at the very next service of Pear Park Baptist Church. Our weekly prayer meeting and Bible study is at 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. Sunday schools at 10 o'clock a.m. Sunday mornings with the worship service at 11 and at 6.30 p.m. the evening service. Pear Park Baptist Church is a fundamental Bible-preaching and Bible-believing church located here in Grand Junction at 3102 E Road. And once again, we appreciate your joining us for this live broadcast of Pear Park Baptist Church.